Put in your earbuds, pour a cup of tea, or put on your work gloves. It's time for another episode of the No-Till Flowers podcast. As always, I'm your ever-curious host, Jenny Love. Welcome to the first in a short series of summer episodes dedicated to farmer well-being. This is my 14th season flower farming and running a small business centered around such a stunning and stressful product. Every season brings its own set of challenges, most entirely out of my control. This year, I broke a bone and strained a tendon in my left foot in late February that has impacted my physical and mental health immensely. I entered the intensity of spring planting season, feeling hugely ineffective and burnt out. I'm used to those feelings in August each year, but never before had I felt that way in March. I got angry at myself, very angry. I managed to navigate a freaking pandemic, nearly collapsing my business model overnight, but I couldn't apparently handle the pain in my foot enough to walk across the field. It took me a while to realize it was because I had shouldered the stress of the pandemic successfully that I was now in such physical pain. Acknowledging burnout and its source and making space for it is the first step to recovery. So I started talking about it with close farmer friends at first and then more publicly. As I did, I heard echoed back to me all the same feelings of exhaustion, anxiety, and physical pain. I am definitely not alone, nor are you. Various surveys of farmers around the world show the majority of farmers experience burnout. In the US, the Centers for Disease Control found the rate of suicide in farmers to be three and a half times higher than the general public. Today's episode may be a bit triggering. Please give yourself a quiet space to listen to it, one where you'll feel comfortable feeling a little bit emotional. I don't say this to scare you away. This conversation is one that we all need to be having right now. But if you're out on deliveries, listening while driving, I just don't want you to show up at the florist with red puffy cry eyes. My guest Amelia Ilo is also a friend, which made this would-be heavy conversation flow easily. It's proof that talking to a friend can be a huge step forward when you feel burnt out. We both share our stories of and strategies for farmer fatigue. Amelia, the founder of Rooted Farmers, brings a uniquely powerful tactic to the table, collective selling. She talks about how flower collectives or co-ops or hubs or whatever you want to call them, have the capacity to snuff out burnout. Maybe you're like me and had never thought of collective selling as a defense against burnout, but it really makes sense once you start thinking about it in that way. Amelia has graciously shared several studies and articles with us about farmer well-being. Please see the show notes for those links. Neither I nor Amelia are mental health professionals. Rather, we are two experienced flower farmers and businesswomen having a candid conversation. If you need support for a well-being crisis or are worried about somebody else who does, please call or text 
1-800-273-8255 to connect with a trained crisis counselor. If this episode makes you feel seen and you want to join a deeper conversation on farmer well-being, consider joining the Regenerative Flower Farmers Network, or Ruffin for short. I've included a link in the show notes. Over the past year, Ruffin has developed into a safe harbor away from social media where all questions and scenarios are welcomed. Connections are made between farmers and experts on things like farmer well-being, and experiences are shared so all members contribute to the growing knowledge of the group. Within that framework, we have a special space dedicated to discussing and supporting farmer well-being. Please join us there. In the meantime, I hope this episode helps you give yourself some grace here in August and also some space to rest. You haven't failed and you are most definitely not alone. Today on the podcast, I have Amelia Ilo from Rooted Farmers, who's going to talk to me about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart and also not something you would normally expect to hear on the No-Till Flowers podcast. So today we're going to be talking about farmer well-being, and this is a short series, one of the short series I'm doing about farmer well-being, because I think this is a conversation we need to have out loud and publicly in front of everybody instead of sort of shoving it around in the back weedy dahlia patch where you're having your little breakdown in the middle of August. So here we are. (laughs) Welcome, Amelia, to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Hi, Jenny. Thanks for having me. You are always such a gem to chat with. And every conversation (laughs) we've ever had, I always leave feeling filled up more than depleted. And I knew if there was anybody I could have a really heart-to-heart conversation about farmer well-being, it would be with you, particularly about uh, surrounding the topic of burnout and, you know, just how hard that is for all of us this time of the year. So right now in the middle of the summer, there's just so much that goes into our work and comes out of our bodies (laughs) in the process of that work that makes it really challenging. And you work with so many farmers all over the United States, flower farmers in particular, and you have a really unique perspective on it, plus your own personal background. So I thought we could just hash this out. And you also have this amazing tool that helps farmers this idea that we're going to talk about. But first, why don't you just tell us a little bit about where you're coming from in this conversation? What feels, you know, feels like your story that you're willing to share? Yeah, so I, I I run a flower farm. I also run Rooted Farmers and um, started a, sort of an informal at the time collective of growers in 2019. Um, and so have worn uh, a few different hats that all kind of give me a, a lens into farmer well-being and, um, and just well-being of folks, you know, kind of across our industry and understanding this is... Um, this is a year round job for us. And there are uh, times of the year that I think we all get to a point where we're, <laughs> we're closer than others to, to throwing in the towel and that's normal and expected. Um, but I've also been very surprised by the number of growers who actually don't necessarily know that that is normal and expected. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty widespread feeling across our industry. And, and so I, I, I love that you're talking about this. I love that you're um, 
that you're stepping into this space. I think it's a super, super, super important topic. And I think it's just, um, just really critical for, for us to keep, keep the discussion moving forward, yeah. keep the conversation going on this and, and really reduce the stigma and, and improve the awareness that we all have around these topics. Yeah, absolutely. Like this time of the year, there's so many beautiful photos on Instagram of everybody's, you know, picture perfect field where they've, you know, successfully glossed over <laughs> all the weeds, all the bugs, all the disasters. And so often because we're so isolated as farmers and we're in our own little world and we may not even talk to another farmer except on social media where God forbid wow. you admit that you're not feeling it, um, then we we get in a deeper and deeper and darker place because of that. And I'm here to say after 14 years of flower farming, I've hit the burnout wall multiple times. And this year might be the hardest year ever for me in terms of burnout, which is one reason I'm having this conversation <laughs> today yeah. to talk about it. So yeah, you can be a really good farmer and you can have all the things together, but um, sometimes burnout just is a big, ugly cloud that hangs over the sky. So yeah, and I know you've experienced that too. And it's one of the reasons you started Rooted to try to help organize all of that, um, give yourself some headspace. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that is exactly where Rooted came from. You know, I when we were first running our collective, my husband and I were sitting up at two o'clock in the morning trying to like, type up invoices and mail out <laughs> availability lists to our buyers. And it was just this moment of, we cannot keep doing this. This is yeah. absolutely crazy. How are we going to run a business like this? Um, and, and that really was, you know, a, a big, um, a big driver for us in, in where we've gotten to today. Yeah. And we're not, flower farmers aren't alone. This is like a industry wide, all farmers, all, and not just like American farmers is a global industry wide scenario. And we're definitely not alone in it. There's so much out there. You, you had some great statistics that you wanted to share about exactly, you know, how prevalent this, this is for all of us. It really is. It's, it is across the board for agriculture broadly. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's really uh, validating probably and reassuring to just hear that, you know, we really aren't alone. There are um, a few different studies that we've, we've spent some time kind of working through at Rooted and, and talking about, um, including one that we, we wrote about uh, over the winter that hmm. was a Canadian study that came out um, of Canadian growers really breaking out, you know, burnout specifically. So what constitutes burnout? What are the elements of burnout that really contribute to this feeling that you and I are talking about hmm. as burnout? What does that mean? And what proportion of, of farmers really were feeling this? And within that study, it was almost 60% mm. of producers were feeling some level of burnout. Um, and, and it really impacts every level of your, your social and emotional well-being, your physical well-being, your mm -hmm. ability to really continue driving your business forward. And, um, and, and that's, that is that Canadian study. There's another study that came out of the UK um, from the Farm Safety Foundation uh, that showed it's almost 90%. Wow. Almost yeah. 90% yeah. of farmers. And I feel like in August is like 100%, you know, like what yeah. farmer, I'm serious. This is a very real question right now that, you know, the listeners can raise your hands. If you're listening to, to, listening to this show in August and you're in the Northern Hemisphere, 
Uh, raise your hand if you're feeling burnout. I got my <laughs> hand up right now. Totally, totally, totally. So I just, I think that if you ask at the right time of the year, it's 100% burnout. And it just is the reality yeah. of the work that we do. It's so physical. It's so mental. It's so emotional. That, like, that's all the things wrapped into one. So that um, article that you wrote and put together, can you talk about the components of burnout? And so people listening maybe can kind of check in with themselves right now and say like, oh, yeah, that, oh, no, I'm good there, whatever. Definitely. So we are, we are not the, uh, you know, we're not going to be the authority figure here. This is, you know, we're pulling this from studies that are, you know, academic research that has been done uh, across, you know, across Canada, across, um, you know, the UK. And and there have definitely been studies in the US too, though. um, I think funding for those are uh, maybe just a little bit um, more robust in, in some of these other countries. But when we look at burnout, we're looking to these um, academic ins- institutions to really tell us, you know, what what is that? What does that mean? And so um, from these studies and I'm, I'm reading here so that mm-hmm. I, I don't mince words, um, exhaustion, cynicism and professional efficacy are mm-hmm. really kind of how they're looking at the component, the different components of burnout. So what, you know, specifically I, what what constitutes burnout for me may not be the same as what constitutes it for you, but it doesn't mean that we aren't kind of in the same family of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of feelings and symptoms and, and frustrations and things like that. So those are, those are really the elements of it. Um, when they measure it, they really are kind of measuring, um, you know, how engaged are you in your work, how mm-hmm. um, effective or ineffective. And there are a lot of different quantitative tools that they're using to measure these. Um, you know, how overextended are you, how disengaged and, you know, kind mm-hmm. of this, this spectrum of looking at like, you know, to, to what degree are we struggling? Right. Each of these different um, contributing, contributing, yeah. uh, you know, feelings and elements. And I think um, it's worth noting in those in those categories, I think, again, the reason this is so high in farming is because let's just hit each one of those exhaustion. Like when yeah. it is really hot and you have been farming already full throttle for four or five months or whatever, like, of course, your body is exhausted. Of course, you can't get out of bed with much energy in the morning like that's inevitable that happens to everybody like i want to i want to make it clear that you didn't fail if you feel burnt out especially Mm -hmm. in our industry this is not a case of failure this is almost essentially inevitable because of these categories you know so that's the exhaustion then there's the um efficacy where like our backs are up against the wall where like feeling like we know how to do this and that we're doing it well relies on like i don't know did a cloud of thrips just fly over your farm and decide <laughs> to dive bomb you literally have no control over that but then when it yeah. happens you look at your dahlias and you think i don't have a damn dahlia to sell right now like that is not yeah. your fault you didn't you know, you didn't personally become less of a good grower in that instance that just yep. happened. And then what was the third one? I totally blanked. <laughs> third cynicism, cynicism, cynicism mm. you know, and, and so when you look at cynicism, I mean, thinking about all of those layers that are out mm-hmm. of your control, the way, right. you know, mm-hmm. and sort of this feeling of like, 
what what I am doing everything right and still I'm not right. I'm not winning it I'm, <laughs> I'm not nailing it right and and so how how do you kind of how do you step back from that um you know and and so all of those and and there there really are three you know really well cited drivers to this feeling of burnout um and isolation is a huge one it mm. is one of the biggest ones you know we are as growers, we are usually working by ourselves. Um, you know, even if you've got a team of folks, if you're lucky enough to have, you know, a team of folks who are working with you, often you are by yourself out mm -hmm. in the field when you're doing a lot of work alone and you might be listening to podcasts. And if you are, that is fantastic because we are here to, we're here with you. We're right here. This is the whole we're point. <laughs> but, but it is isolating and that feeling of, of nobody understands that can weigh really heavily mm -hmm. on you as a, yeah. as a grower. Um, and, and you can talk about, you can talk about your exhaustion to other people in your family. You can tell your husband, you can tell yeah. your sister, you can tell other people about this level of exhaustion, but nobody gets it, like yeah. really gets it, except another flower farmer. You could even tell, a, you know, um, a, a, a soybean farmer, your level of exhaustion, and they would not understand the same uh, particular flavor of exhaustion <laughs> <laughs> that a flower farmer feels. And that's why you need another flower farmer, not, and you know, and you can't necessarily talk to your employees about feeling burnout. I mean, I have done that a little bit myself, but it's a, it's a tricky place to have that conversation. So you need another business owner who is a flower farmer to have that conversation with, right? Don't you think? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we'll, we'll, I suspect we'll circle back on this hmm. as, as we keep talking, but the idea of building yourself a support system and a community is just so critical, you know, and I think, I think that's the case, no matter what you're doing for work is, is to build that community for yourself to kind of lean on but especially in this um, space that we're all in where we are so cyclical, mm -hmm. you know, we're, you know, when you're, you were talking about exhaustion, I couldn't help but think about, you know, just the, the, how much longer our days are in, yeah. in this time of year, you know, so we, I, I have been known to have to be pulled inside by my husband at mm -hmm. 930 at night because it's still light here. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're pretty far north and we're still light, you know, well after nine o'clock. And I know some of our Alaska growers are literally harvesting 24 hours a day. Oh, my gosh. 24 hours a day because it's daytime oh that gives me midnight. such perspective i'm so glad it gets dark here <laughs> i would be a mess if i lived in alaska i would be a mess it's so true though like it's, it is it's you know we struggle as like this is we feel such pride mm -hmm. in our work but we also I think because of that, it's hard for us to set boundaries for ourselves. And sometimes we need a nudge from somebody else. Yeah. Maybe not be outside at 10 o'clock at night doing our, doing our planting. <laughs> yep. I hear you on that. So, but how do we, what, what do you, what do you feel like is a good way to set up that support system? Are there any 
tricks that you found for yourself. I have this core group of flower farmer friends that I'm so lucky to have, and I'll just shout them out to, you know, Michelle at Roots and Laura Beth at Butterbee and Ellen at Local Flowers. These are my, this is my tribe. The four of us hold each other accountable, but not everybody has that framework. And where, where do we build that framework? What have you seen since you work with so many growers? What's like, what's some structures? I, you know, I think there are, there are a lot of different ways that you can come at it. And I think there are a lot of different ways that you should come at it. I think building the community for yourself is a really important one or just finding that community. Um, you know, there are, uh, there are a lot of different resources to doing that. I think we've, we see collectives as a really fantastic resource mm, for that because, yeah. you know, there are, um, there are groups of people who are coming together and they are slogging through it with you. And, you know, we, we, there is so much to be said about what that means to have somebody in your geography who you can have this in-person connection with. And you can be like, Hey, can we just like go out and get a drink? Can we go get a coffee? Can we go do something that, you know, just allows us to like sit and, and, you know, be together and you can use that time to just like vent or you can use that time to say hey I'm raise your hand I'm struggling a little bit I'm having a hard time that is not a bad thing to say you have not failed right by raising your hand like we're all raising our hands that. <laughs> yeah. right, everybody hands in your ear hands in your ear right now raise everybody. your hand that's okay yeah. it's normal it is. it's it expected is. Yeah. it's um you know we um I, I think collectives are, are a really important uh, tool for us, you know, not not just today, but as we as an industry really grow and and mature and are really thinking about how do we want to how do we want to build our community? How do yeah. we want to work together and collaborate? Because there's no one of our farms that's going to be able to do all the things. Right. Yeah. So working collaboratively and 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 in a really, you know, functional way, I think is, is critical to um, sustaining that growth. Yeah. And so just for the sake of like sort of backing into that a little bit more, for the record, we're talking about selling collectively as a group of farms. It could be under the banner of a formal co-op or it could just be an informal hub or, you know, collective is a nice, easy word to use. But we're talking about yeah. selling as a group of smaller growers selling to a larger audience. That's what we mean by collective when we say that. And I think yeah. a lot of times you know, I did before I actually heard you say this, uh, you know, um, in an interview or somewhere, you mentioned about collectives being a way to combat burnout. And I had literally wow. never thought of that before. Like it, it, it floored me when I heard you say that. And that's the reason we're having this conversation. But I think I had always approached a collective in my mind as just like a marketing tool, a sales tool. And honestly, back in the day, I was maybe would have been pretty hesitant to join or start a collective because there's this sense of like, look, we're all farmers. We started farming because we're pigheaded and we're uh, <laughs> prefer to be alone. Uh, we probably were not group project people in school. I certainly was not. Um, that's why we farm because we're really, 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 really independent people. Uh, but 
so so that means there'll be some some resistance to selling collectively sometimes, particularly if you're a newer grower, you're worried about competition, you feel like you might have to give up a piece of who you are, what you've been trying to build to be part of it, or, you know, maybe just see it as like, oh, that's a lot of money to be in a collective or or whatever. But at the end of the day, the way you framed it for me completely changed my mind about it to the point where I'm actually planning to start a collective here in Philadelphia. <laughs> because it, I did, when I heard you say that, it just all, all the pieces clicked together where it's like, wait, collective selling takes the stress away of administering sales. Yeah, okay, I get that. But then this idea of the community that builds around a collective. And even if you don't have time to go out for coffee or to get a drink, which would be luxurious, and I would love that, but if you don't, at least you take your flowers to a collective space once a week. You can spend 15, 20 minutes talking to somebody there in that you know space and just have a little check-in and have that moment together. And that fuels you as you go out to the world from there. And then ideally, I, I would hope collectives can maybe provide some services to members that are like helpful to this, you know, supporting farmer well-being ultimately, like an actual, uh, you know, concerted effort, not just a casual passing of the torch every once in a while. So yeah, I, 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 you, you really opened my eyes to the fact that collectives can actually be a mental health tool, <laughs> which is so weird. And I didn't think of that before. So they really <laughs> are, though. I mean, let's let's just well, let's just examine like a case study here. Let's just pretend. Yeah. So you've got the same farmer and think back to everything that you were talking through about the August struggles. Mm -hmm. And you've got grips or you've got, you know, you've done everything right. And it's Dally season and you've promised Dally's to your buyers and you've got a CSA and you've got all these things that are coming up and now you can't produce. And it's right. for a reason that has nothing to do with your competence as a grower. It just something happened mm -hmm. in, in farmer number one, they are working by themselves and they've got this scarcity mindset and, you know, this idea of competition. Like I have to outpace my neighboring farmer. I have to, you know, fill in the blank, what, whatever it is that you're kind of, you know, comparing yourself to the Joneses over here, that is farmer number one. Think about the weight mm -hmm. of that. Think Absolutely. about the weight and the weight of, gosh, I'm going to disappoint my buyers. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to be struggling to fulfill orders. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, my, my customers are not able to get their CSA this week or, you know, what, whatever that perceived failure is, and just the burden that mm -hmm. that is on you and your ability to sleep and wake up and be rested and you know continue moving through your days of course yeah. you're not yeah of course not and there's also it now will I'm limit your sales too like i know i've done this in the past where i won't take orders because i'm like well i just i don't know like but i know where you're going with this conversation is yeah, if you so have... now <laughs> think about farmer number two who has the exact same problem set right they've got the exact same set of struggles and challenges except they're selling through a collective and they have this built-in community and shoot, I was supposed to deliver X and I don't have it. Does anybody have something that they could sub for my orders? Like, can anybody backfill for me? Instant. You have, you know, it is, it's, now I'm making it sound like magic. <laughs> there's a it's lot of work to get magic. there. There's but... a lot, yeah, there's a lot to get there. But in reality, the relief that I feel when I have 
overpromised and I'm underdelivering or something out of my control happens or frankly just life happens. I've got three kids. I've got, you know, we, everybody's got just family things. Something has happened and now you can't fulfill your orders. You don't want to disappoint those buyers because the weight on your business, the weight on your shoulders pushes you then to just do the extraordinary when really it's okay. It's okay if sometimes you can't make it happen and somebody else can make it happen in your community. This is this is just this invaluable layer of being a part of a collective and, and having this community of, of like-minded individuals, folks who are in it with you and they get it and they've been there and they will step in for you. It's this, it's almost an insurance policy. Yeah. Right? the best kind of insurance policy that we all really need. You know, other commodity farmers get uh, crop insurance from the government, but there's nothing like that for us. And this is essentially a kind of insurance. And I also just think that it's not something I've been in that scenario before where I've had, for the record, I feel like in some ways I set a lot of people up for the expectation that they would grow every stem themselves for every wedding they produce. And I, I'm here to publicly <laughs> apologize to the entire flower farming community. I'm sorry. I never meant for that to be the gold standard. I still really enjoy growing everything I possibly can myself at my farm, but that is not the way you have to do it. There's so many other models for doing it. So please buy from other farmers. Uh, definitely. And the few times that I've I've been in a pinch because I didn't have the framework set up, then it was this additional stress of having to like, oh, shoot, okay, I Ramble. don't know, maybe, maybe Keith has something. I don't know. Well, I'm going to have yeah. to call Keith and maybe he'll be like, look, dude, I sold like all mine. Like, it, it, sorry. Yeah. So there's no, it, the collective, the having a formal collective, being prepared, it, you know, it's not like something you should maybe necessarily do at the last minute. It was a Hail Mary. It's more of a like, there's always this space in which we're all operating and we see what everybody has and understand each other's businesses and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. that's golden right there. And it helps with all the administrative um, tasks as well, which would be really nice to not have to spend, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but like I'm on email and my phone constantly just trying to like keep track of everything. So there's that too, that piece of yeah. it. Yeah. And, and also just the logistics, you know, mm. instead of having to run around to five or 10 or 30 different buyers. Now you're dropping your product off at one place and mm. the collective is taking care of moving that product for you. Now you have recaptured hours of your week because you don't have to move that product from point A to point B. You bring it from your farm to wherever it is that you need to drop off the product and now it's gone and it's yeah. out of your hands and you're all done worrying about it <laughs> and it just moved on to the next phase of its life. That's just like that. I think is the second most difficult thing for us to watch from mm. our seat is this idea of growers not valuing their time. Mm. Your time is so, 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 so valuable and it's finite and you are choosing how to spend your finite hours every day, every week, every month, every season. And this idea of, you know, trying to save time to do all your deliveries yourself and you don't want to pay the 25% to your collective to take care of doing the deliveries. That is, that is penny wise and pound foolish. You are stepping into this space of not valuing your own time mm. as, as a human and being able to recognize, well, 
actually, I could sell a lot more stuff if I offloaded all my delivery time to this collective, or I could sell a lot more stuff if I offloaded all of my order management to this collective, because then I get back six hours of my week and then I could reinvest that time in going for a walk. Yeah. Getting together with some friends or doing something to step away from being inside your head all the time so that you can just sort of like disconnect for a minute that that's invaluable and and there's another like i i'm gonna take this to a slightly darker place sorry guys but um, it's it's just that so it would be wonderful to go take a walk and that's a great idea but there's also the very real physical harm that can come to your body if you push to do all the things all yourself. So for me, it's not quite exactly the same as delivering to florists, but as a, as a wedding florist, there have been two times in my life that I've run off the road by falling asleep at the (gasps) wheel because on delivery, like, well, they were actually on the way back from setting up a wedding, but like this is, if you drive yourself to exhaustion, yeah. To that point, because you feel like you need to do it all, that there's no other you know, way to do this. There's no other system for it. There's some really potential catastrophic harm that can come to your yeah. life. So, yes, it would be wonderful to go take a walk. But also, let's just talk about like not running off the road. Um, yeah, go to sleep. Yeah, like get if some you sleep. have an extra six hours, <laughs> it, maybe use some for sleep. Right. Like yeah. that's. But these are the sorts of things that if we don't, as growers, really start thinking about our time, tracking our time, Mm -hmm. how are you spending your time? What are you doing every day that you don't need to be the person to Mm -hmm. do that thing? What is it? And and really just start by writing down how you're spending your day. Because as growers, we are, and, and I think creatives in general are just absolutely terrible at this. We don't think about the time input into the work that we're doing, whether you're designing, whether you're, you know, prepping your fields, what you're not really thinking about the amount of time that is being put into that. And then, and then really being ruthless. And we talk about this in our article also is be ruthless with what is actually value add work that you should be doing and what you should be outsourcing to somebody else. If you're not the person who has to do, you know, 100% of your taxes or something, and you could actually go to H&R Block and be like, hey, I am trying to transplant everything (laughs) all at the same time in the same, like, three-week period. The taxes are due. Maybe that's the sort of thing you could offload. But, Mm -hmm. But it's really looking across the board at your operation, at how you're spending your days, how many hours a day are you spending putting orders together or making an availability list or having a conversation with your buyers. Maybe they're asking you the same questions repeatedly that you're like, gosh, maybe if I'm getting asked the same question 83 times, there's something I could do Mm -hmm. to streamline this process of how I'm communicating. So be ruthless about where Mm -hmm. you're spending time and where you can just offload stuff. Uh, That's such good advice. Um, And just trying to figure out what's important right now to you that's the most fundamental thing and then clean house and all the other ways um, from there. It's like that's something I've been trying to look at my own operation and my own you know, where do I want to go and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's important to I I know um, Lisa Mason Ziegler talks about this too. It's important to acknowledge that you can evolve. Your business can evolve. Like you may have started out the season 
you know, um, with one mindset and one idea, but that doesn't mean, yes, we're all stupid stubborn in this industry, but that doesn't mean you have to stay in that mindset. You can choose a different avenue. You can choose a different direction to go. And that's not failure. That's just making smart choices for yourself. There's a difference between importance and urgency. Mm. There are some things that are important. There are some things that are important and urgent. And there are some things that are urgent, but not always not important. important. Wow, you and are it's so wise. Really, <laughs> it, it is critical to like really be honest with yourself. Like, is mm. this is this actually urgent or am I just sort of not, you know, not not really assessing my to do list yeah. um, because I'm exhausted? <laughs> you know, effectively, you know, are there other ways that I could be really looking at this and, and thinking through, you know, kind of taking that time, you know, there's a, um, the, uh, I'm going to call out the Alaska Peony Cooperative Mm. here, because they are fantastic at doing this. Oh, awesome. Every, so every single year, they, um, they, they've got some folks with, with military background and there is a process that they have called an ARR, an after oh. action review, A-A-R, a after, I'm going to, I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to, I'm messing it it's up. Right. We'll it figure wrong, it out. But, we'll put it in the show notes. But <laughs> <laughs> they go through at the end of every season and they say, what did we do well this year? Hmm. What did we not do so well? What do we feel like we really, you know, kind of missed the ball on? And what, where do we feel like we can make improvements to our process? I think every single grower should just be doing that every single fall. Hmm. And don't wait until winter because then your brain, it's like childbirth. Like you just yeah. kind of forget. You forget. You forget. <laughs> and you're like, oh, was, look at my Instagram pictures. Everything was, was beautiful in August. <laughs> and you forget. So yeah. it's really important, like while you're while you're kind of coming out of September mm-hmm. to say what what went well this year, what maybe didn't go so great. <laughs> and what should I be thinking about in advance of next year to set myself up for, you know, sort of a more sustainable model and, and really, again, be ruthless about what, what worked for you and where are you just letting go? And you're saying, nope, it's not for me. Yeah. That's such good advice. I I love that. We do a sort of like um, post wedding breakdown like that too, where like, if it's a big wedding, and by we, I mean, it's mostly me, but I'll, you know, I'll ask, you know, the the more um, prominent designers of the wedding, but just to sit down and be like, okay, so what worked really well and what yep. didn't work really well. And then that way um, it just helps you figure out for the next time how to, to not screw up quite so much. <laughs> There's yeah. always the inevitable well, though. But that's, that is, that's really important. Like th- think through your, your choice of words there. You're mm. not screwing it up. You're not screwing it up. Everybody like things just don't happen the way that yeah. we plan for them. Yeah. You know, this is things just happen and it's the, despite best laid plans mm. and, and it's more just, you know, I just, I just want to caution people not to be reflecting on things as like failures. Like there are just places where 
you can make improvements. We are all learning. We're all growing every single year. You know, I think the, um, that is just, we generally all accept that now mm -hmm. we have been all farming for long enough to know, like, we don't know all the things right. like every year that we think we yeah. like, Oh, I got it this time. <laughs> well, and nature, I think has a way. nature has a way. And I think maybe this is a good like a conversational point to make during this particularly really valuable conversation about farmer well-being is that if you're a newer grower listening to this, you're likely, if you're like year one to five, I like to say, is this like magic window where you're still very excited about what you're doing. You still think that you will get to a point where you will be a professional flower grower who is very skilled and accomplished at it. And you will. But the reality is year five is you hit the wall. I call year five, you know, the make or break point because year five is the year you realize it's not getting better. <laughs> Sorry, it's <laughs> not getting better. It's just not. Um, and you have enough demand. You've built a business now that has demand and you feel the pressure of meeting the demand. Um, and you are just generally aware of like all the pests that are going to come, what the storm can do, what, you know, like you see all the ways you can't control it. So in year five, it's basically your eyes are opened. And I'm, I'm just going to be really honest because this can feel really depressing to hear if you're a newer grower, but it's actually meant to be caring and liberating for you guys. So it doesn't get better. It only gets harder, but you support yourself and you learn support mechanisms like Amelia and I are talking about that help with this. But the actual, you don't become a perfect farmer. No farmer can become a perfect farmer. It will always be a hard season. There's no season that is not without its challenges, without its lessons, without its hurdles. Um, it's always hard. But once you know that, you stop striving for that thing that doesn't exist. <laughs> it just doesn't exist. But you can find tools and support networks and everything that make it a lot more bearable. And at the end of the day, we as growers just need to remember why we're doing this. Everybody has some deep, deep, deep why. And I'm not talking about the why you put out there for marketing purposes or because of Instagram or whatever. I'm talking about your core fundamental beliefs. Why are you doing this? You find them, you tap into them, and they feed you through all the hard stuff. And you eventually learn to give yourself grace and space to not be perfect at this. It's not going to, you're never, ever, ever going to be perfect at flower farming. You're just not. I, I love that. I think I have always thought of farming as just a perfect analog for life, right? <laughs> like the second that you think you have figured out how to be an adult, life is just like, oh, that's funny. Here's this other twist we're going to throw in right. the road, right? And, and and at a certain point as adults, you, you, you recognize and you accept and you're like, gosh, it is. And I think you go through this journey as a parent too, if you have mm. kids, like, you know, there is this, um, this point you reach in, in parenting and adulting and, in just sort of recognizing that, um, things are going to happen and they just are. And, uh, life doesn't just become easier because you've hit age 30, you you suddenly are are you know accepting of the fact that there is imperfection in everything that we're doing like we are this this um 
this this idea that uh, life looks like social media, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think is it's really important to lift the veil on that and and everybody just understand like it's not that's not real life. That's not real life. That's not real life, friends. Um, and and but but also it can you you can kind of work through a lot of those struggles and get yourself to a place where um, you're comfortable with imperfection. And you recognize that there are always going to be things that you cannot foresee. And I, I think it makes you just a stronger and more resilient adult to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of recognize that um, whether it's farming or it's parenting or it's, you know, any, any of these journeys that we are taking in life, there are always going to be curveballs. And it's just about sticking in there with it and, and really getting to a place where you're you're feeling like, okay, this year it's thrips. Last year it was Japanese beetles and I am going to figure it out. And, and then I won't have thrips next year, but I'll probably have aphids or what, you know, you know, I'll probably have, uh, you know, some sort of, I don't know. We had (laughs) last year, I sent out an SOS to a few of our growers. I was like, what are these creatures (laughs) all over my greenhouse? It, it was some sort of milkweed moth infestation oh. that I had never seen before. And here I thought, gosh, I'm doing all of the butterflies, <laughs> just this fantastic service and keeping all my milkweed. And actually I had created an infestation of these <gasps> awful pests in our tunnel and it was a disaster. So if it's not one thing, it's going to be something else. Right. It's okay. <laughs> You're going to figure it out. It's just hard sometimes. And that's just life. Yeah. And also there are things that you can do to prevent it. There are things that you can do to recognize it in yourself. That is absolutely critical. There are things you can do to recognize it in the people around you. Mm. So as you're building this community, it's not just, you know, what can they do for me? It's what can I do for them? Mm. And it's checking in with these people and saying, Hey, how are you? How are you doing today? How is this week? How are you feeling? And it could be, everything's great. It could be that, life has happened. And now there's a, a place for you to step in and say, Oh, I have, you know, I get that you didn't have all your fever few. I actually have fever few and I can, I can backfill for you. Is there something else I can do? You know, what, where can I, where can we work together to make this easier for you? Knowing that that's going to come back around at some point for you too. Like this is, there are things you can be doing now to set yourself up for, you know, you don't want to hit whether it's year one or, you know, I don't know, I'm laughing because I'm picturing myself in year one where it was five o'clock. I was still working my day job in finance. It was oh, five wow. o'clock in the morning. I had just transplanted like many rows the day before of my annuals. And I looked out at five in the morning in my bathrobe and <laughs> there's a family of deer. <gasps> and oh. I when screaming, I'm like in my underwear, <laughs> screaming down the back hill. The neighbors are walking their dog. I'm like, yes, everything is fine. Nothing to see here. So whether it's year one or three or five or whenever it happens, you know, you don't want to hit this point of, yeah, I'm all done. I'm not going to yeah. keep doing this, you know, because that's yeah. what we're trying to avoid is, you know, recognizing this is normal. This happens. And also there are things you can do to alleviate some of that pressure for yourself and set yourself up for um, just a, a better year next year or a better, a better week next week or, mm-hmm. you know, wh- whatever, whatever that period is for you that you are working toward, 
it it isn't it's it feels inevitable but also there are so many places where you can make progress here mm-hmm. for yourself and so i would just encourage anybody who's listening not to not to feel like well it's hopeless right yeah it's this definitely is, not hopeless <laughs> yeah there's there are so many ways that you can set yourself up for success here there's mm-hmm. so many ways that you can really be um be prudent in planning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also you got to really, you got to really do the, you got to do the time to reflect and yeah. think through what's, what's, what's going well and where, where can I really improve this process or, and depersonalize that it's not about you. Right. Like, where can I improve this thing? Yeah. Um, and, and so I would just say, really think through that. Um, Cause it's, it is hard, but also mm-hmm. there are things you can do to, to, to really drive progress mm-hmm. for yourself. And yeah. that's how grow. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, one of the things that I've heard, you know, through, um, I've been having a lot of conversations about farmer well-being over on the Regenerative Flower Farmers Network with members there. And what I hear over and over again is this sense of lack of control. Like there's so many things out of our control right now, um, particularly with climate change, which is a whole conversation we're going to have on this podcast here soon. But And what we're talking about, you and me right now, Amelia, is ways to bring control to the situation. Yes, you're not going to be able to control that a storm comes through or deer come to the field or whatever, but you can create other control systems. And that control system could be you have a flower collective and there's somebody who has fever few there for you when you don't have yours. So it's about, no, we can't control the climate. We can't control the pest, but we can set up um, safety nets, which are within our control. So that's one reason to think about this kind of stuff, um, even though it feels like, oh my gosh, I've got so many things to worry about right now. <laughs> like, do I really so, need to add this to it? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I would just add to that one of those safety nets and, and we've laughed about it a little bit here is, mm. you know, the, the idea of having time to go get coffee or go mm-hmm. get a drink with somebody or go for a walk, but that's actually a really super important safety net is you must disconnect mm-hmm. from your phone mm-hmm. because you are you are we we wrote another piece right at the beginning of covid with mm-hmm. um a psychologist um who was really talking through sort of some of the difficulties very uniquely uh challenging farmers is you know we are farming predominantly at our homes mm-hmm. and so you know this is this is more prevalent now because of covid and remote working and everything but the idea of these blurred lines like if you are, if you are working from your home and you've got, you know, people coming into your house and it's becomes, that's what our house looks like in the summertime. We have, you know, college kids coming in and out and I don't know who's here most of the time. Pretty sure my kids are here most of the time, (laughs) but, but you've got, you've got these blurred lines. It is really, really, really important for you to take a step Mm. away and go for a walk and i don't care if you feel like you have no time you make the time if it is when you feel like you have no time and you have no space for that that is the most important Mm. moment for you to say okay that means i have to go now yeah like i have to go right now and you've got to you've got to be able to recognize the importance of stepping away that stuff will all be here when you get back. Your list is not going anywhere. Your list is going to be there, I promise. And you're going to be more prepared to take it on if you go for a run, 
just go for a run, go yep. for a walk, go do what you need to do for 20 minutes. Really, if your business can't spare you for 20 minutes, then you've got another problem, right? right. Like you've got a, what happens if you get hit by a bus? Right. I mean, there, there's the hit by a bus plan um, that we talk about a lot internally at Rooted. Mm-hmm. We talk about with our collectives. We talk of like, we always insist you've got to have multiple people who can take on jobs so that it's not too much weight for one person. Like there are strategies here, but it's super important that you not discount the importance of that stepping away. Like it's really, you've got to do it. So if you're not doing it, you've got to do it. You got to do it. I love that you said that. Sometimes I need that reminder. So I'm now going to listen to this podcast over and over again. (laughs) Good, good. This is your permission. Your reminder, please go for a walk. Right. And while you're walking, you're not allowed to be thinking about your mm-hmm. very long list of things to do. Mm-hmm. You need to be, you know, doing something else and just disconnect. Yeah, absolutely. And then I like to always bring this podcast in particular about my whole life back to, you know, sort of like, well, why am I doing this? Why, why, if you don't feel comfortable enough, like taking that space for yourself, which you should. And we've talked, we've tried to drive that point home. But here at the end of the day, if it feels so overwhelming, the reality is you can't keep doing the work you're doing if you don't give your spell, yourself the, the space and the health to do it. And I know so many listeners to this podcast, including myself, are so driven by the concept and the hope, the, the real, very visceral hope that through our little farms, we can cause major change that desperately needs to happen for our environment, for our communities. We can't do that unless we can continue to show up. Like, this is yeah. the biggest hurdle I see for, well, humans, honestly. <laughs> We're going to get really deep. <laughs> like, everybody is so hopeless sometimes about, well, it seems like it's all off the rails and I have no way of changing anything. But we do have ways of changing it. We just need to break it into little tiny pieces and then stay focused on the mission, but also give ourselves space to be human and to have time to breathe and and sleep. Like, really, sleep is a good thing. It's great to sleep and take a walk and hydrate and all the things. (laughs) Yes, and there's sunscreen. sunscreen Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, that I think it's just really important to prioritize Mm -hmm. a little bit of self-care every day and you're doing it because you know it's it's in your business's interest Mm -hmm. you know you can't this idea of dissociating mental health or physical Mm -hmm. health and well-being from the work that we're doing that it takes a very big toll on us Mm -hmm. you know that is uh that's just not right It, it it the reality is that you can't look at your business in a silo without factoring in the fact that you are the linchpin that's that's mm-hmm. really moving everything forward. You 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 really cannot, you know, I think it's it's just super critical to layer in all of these conversations together and and be real about it. You know, yeah. if it just because something is a limit for me doesn't mean it's a limit for you and vice versa. If something is too much for me, it may not be too much for you and that's okay. And and it and everybody's limits are gonna be different. So don't, you know, really don't don't look at the person next door and say, gosh, well, they can do it. So right. I have to do it. Um, it is, it's about being honest with yourself and, mm-hmm. and being realistic there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, this is so good. So I always like to leave people with like sort of some action items. Do you have any suggestions for burnout situations that you've either, it sounds like you've talked to some like great resources already, um, or I know maybe you've had experience with it yourself. Um, for me, running has always been one of the biggest uh, tools to combat burnout. Then I ended up having a major foot injury this spring. So this is, you know, a real challenge if you get oh, injured, but okay. the injury came from I'm pretty sure burnout so um so that's just you know you need to create little incremental changes so what 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 have you experienced or heard as good um strategies I I I have always found for myself exercise is sort of the key for me if I am not exercising it's very easy for me to just sort of you know kind of get into my own head too much Mm -hmm. and for me exercise and that's usually running um and and in the winter we do a lot of cross-country skiing Mm. but exercise is the thing that uh i can't think while i'm doing it i need like my brain shuts off and so there's self-preservation there and and that so for me that's helpful i think when we're talking like broadly about farming um and and really thinking about how to set up you know the um just sustainable practices, you know, building in rest for yourself the mm-hmm. same way you're, you know, I've heard it a million times, your garden rests in the wintertime, you're resting. Mm-hmm. There are times your garden is, unless you live in Alaska, your garden is resting overnight. You should be resting right. overnight and you shouldn't meet your husband or maybe you do to pull you in at 10 <laughs> o'clock at night and that's okay too. Um, but, but it's, that's not a selfish thing. That's mm-hmm. really, you know, you're doing it to show up um, for mm-hmm. your family, for your business, for, for everybody around you. Um, setting boundaries, I think is really important. And those boundaries are going to evolve. You know, yeah. what feels like a reasonable boundary, you're going to look at it and you're going to be like, oops, that yeah. I missed the mark on that one. I got to fix that one. Um, and, and, you know, really think about what feels comfortable for a boundary. Maybe it's your order cutoff window. Maybe mm-hmm. it's your, um, willingness to let a particular bride change her mind for the, 72nd time about which colors she wants in her palette, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like for you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, think about those boundaries, think about, um, parts of your home that could just be off limits for work. Maybe you Mm -hmm. just don't talk about work Mm -hmm. bedroom or in the kitchen or wherever, like maybe you, you know, think, just think about, um, places where you're feeling stress and anxiety or, you know, just like, frustration and think about how, how you might work through that. Um, I think prioritizing is a very important one. We've talked about, um, the idea of multitasking. Sometimes it is like heaven. Amazing. Be able to like (laughs) listen to a podcast while you're transplanting or, you know, take a call while you're on a delivery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes that's exactly the right thing. And sometimes you're like, gosh, I just really need to rock out right now and listen to my music and not Mm -hmm. take any calls right now. And so recognizing that, um, when you're thinking about, about multitasking, but, but, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is really your, um, thinking about, you know, kind of being pretty ruthless in, in where you're spending your time. Yeah. But the first step of that is knowing where you're spending your time. Mm. If you don't, know where you're spending your time you're not going to be able to edit that you know right. you really really gotta you've really got to look at look at your business look at your life and say what is 
what what's working and what's not working and yeah. how do I how do I work through that yeah yeah um a strategy I have is to I won't take my phone into my bedroom this is like a hard and fast rule like it never goes in my bedroom yeah. and it gets charged down in the kitchen I just put it down there I'm not allowed to look at it at night I think that is help save a lot of mental space for me too. And then I just recently heard this strategy, but I found it really fascinating. Um, it was on NPR when they were interviewing a psychologist about, you know, the work from home situation that so many people have. And um, he said something, and I wish I could remember the actual name of, of the um, person they were interviewing, but he said something to the effect of like, create a ritual for yourself to end the work day, whatever that mm -hmm. ritual might need to be. But we are creatures who follow rituals. So like, you're never going to turn your work brain off if you never signal to yourself that it's time for the work brain to turn off. So he had a, a thing that I, I, I'm thinking about trying, but I'm not really sure how to implement it, but to like change your clothes as a, like, yeah. I was in my work clothes and now I'm not in my work clothes, but me, you know, most farmers, yeah. I think you come in and you're exhausted and you still got to eat dinner and you got to, you know, like you don't have time to like, you know, fancify yourself <laughs> but I part mean, of me is like why not it's just putting on your sweats, put on right. your sweats. Take, off, take off your like work pants and put right. on your sweats and yeah. just hang out you yeah. know it, there are so many different ways you can do it and whatever works for you cool try yeah. like try try a bunch of different strategies and whatever helps you find your vibe go for it yeah. I think that's great yeah so before we wrap it up, just one final question um, yeah. centered around root, Rooted. Um, you've seen an upswell of collectives, I assume. Like, can you just say, because you have this great perspective that you've helped so many farmers start collectives. Does it feel yeah. like this is, I'm going to break this into two parts. Does it feel like it's a growing trend? And second, is it a sustainable trend that isn't really a trend, but a change in the industry. So, cause I think yeah. there's a lot of times things start, but then are they really, and please be honest, I know you will. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's a trend. And I don't like the word trend when yeah. we talk about local flowers generally, mm -hmm. because I think it's this idea of like, you know, it's, it's temporary and mm -hmm. it really isn't. I mean, if we're looking back, you know, pre 1991, American growth flowers were 75 plus percent of, of the flowers sold in the United States and they were supplied by American producers. And the landscape has changed pretty dramatically. And I think there are a lot more specialty growers, a lot more small and mid-sized farms. Um, but that just means that we need to be creative about how we're actually moving product. It doesn't mean that we can't continue to, to really support this demand. It just means we've got to be honest about our economies of scale. You know, it's, it is a lot less expensive to pool our resources, to deliver our product and manage our orders than it is for every single farm to be replicating the same list of tasks and delivery routes themselves. That's just, that's, mm -hmm. that's a no brainer. And yeah. so you know, I think it's, it's really exciting for us because we have seen um, a lot of groups that had been sort of teetering on the edge of, do we want to build a collective? Do we not mm. want to build a collective? And they took the plunge this year and it's been so great to watch them. And now that I don't want to give you the impression that it's like, 
oh, no problem. It's a walk in the park. Because <laughs> of course there are challenges. And of course it's going to be hard bringing a, a, you know, a bunch of folks who all run their own businesses together to now run another business together. There are going to be differences in how you approach problem solving, differences in how you communicate and personalities and all the things. But at the end of the day, you're all on the same team. And so as you kind of work through those first year hurdles, you have these really big wins that you can look back on and say, wow, we are totally on the right track. Mm -hmm. And this is super exciting because there are so many models of collectives that are just crushing it Mm -hmm. across the country. And we have the benefit of looking to looking to them and saying, well, you know, what happened in year one, what's happened in year three, what happened in year four or five, and how do we take those lessons and, and really, you know, kind of give the the benefit of those lessons to these younger groups that are just now starting out. Um, so it's, yes, we've seen a big upswell and in, in interest in that and um, a lot of new groups taking off. I don't think it's a trend. I think this is just the way forward for all of mm. us. And it's, you know, it's these sort of like, you know, pioneering minds that are recognizing the value of collaborating and not living in this silo as, as independent growers. Um, and it's 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 just been such a joy to work with with so many of these groups all over. Uh, and you you get you're presenting such a gift to so many growers. And I know that you actually mentor people as they want to start a collective. And I think even that in and of itself is like a huge. Um, you know, we could all try to figure it out on our own independently. And certainly there are many, many, many small farms that have tried to figure out the whole collective model independently. As the president of the ASCFG in, in years past myself, like we heard this over and over and over again, the number of people that wanted to start collectives, but really didn't know how to do it. So it's awesome to have this tool through Rooted Now and to be able to do that and that you guys are sort of um, creating like a best practices uh, model to move forward with. So thank you for that and for this conversation. This is very, uh, it's you know one of those scenarios where you need to fill your cup up instead of pour your cup out. And this was a fill my cup up uh, for me. Hearing from you uh, really filled my cup up and I'm really grateful for that. So thank you. And I know so many listeners are also going to just I, I can feel the waves of emotion now. <laughs> so uh, everybody I, is... I will just um, I will just close with with quoting uh, one of our growers down in the Richmond, Virginia area. Um, she's in Mechanicsville, Ash Hobson Carr, who runs Hazelwich Farm. And if you haven't seen her, she's in the Duluth ads and she's. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Rocking it. Um, she we we have just had the honor of, of being able to work with her through the river city collective. And she had advice that we shared last year that I'll share again here. She said, never make any decisions about the farm in August. Just don't do it. Don't, don't do it. And so that is coming from uh, someone much wiser and more experienced wow. than I am. And I will just say, you know, just keep, keep that in mind as you're listening to yeah. this. That is such good advice. Thank you, Amelia. You're such a treasure. I appreciate you so much. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. This was it was really great to chat with you. Um, and thank you again for just you know kind of bringing discussion to these topics. I think they're really important. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm I'm just I'm so happy that you're you're kind of 
stepping into this space in, in a meaningful way here. Yeah, I think it's time to have these these conversations. So thank you for having it with me. <laughs> Well, that wraps up another energetic episode of No-Till Flowers. I'm so grateful you tuned in and hope you got several new ideas that can help you farm more in step with nature. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss the next one. Also, please take a second to rate and review the podcast wherever you're getting it. Reviews help grow this show and let others know that it's worth a listen. Many thanks to Matt Moran, the post-production manager of No-Till Flowers, for his meticulous editing so you don't have to listen to too many of my outbursts of excitement and laughter. Also, gratitude goes to Nikolai Fox for the original music used here on the show. Until next time, remember, it all stems from the soil.